follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I hope you guys are not getting tired of that yet. Because we still have about another month and a half of talking about it. So we just, if you're new to our environment, we want to say welcome, first of all. And then secondly, to let you know the family that you have come into. Um, This year, we felt led by the Holy Spirit to start off very, very simple. And to say, let's just reduce this whole thing that we call Christianity down to the basic fundamental elements of what Jesus really came to do and say. And so we could not start without referencing the first invitation that he gave his first disciples and then go after, pray into what are the implications of that invitation to us today. How does this shape our Christianity? How does this invitation that Jesus gave to his disciples shape how we do life? So that's what we're talking about for January, February, and March. So is anybody bored yet? Great. Awesome. Because I feel like today is really going to be special. I don't know what it is about today. We've been having some amazing services over the past couple of weeks. But there is something about today that I feel has resurrection life on it. And that's the word that I was feeling. I was reminded of the story whenever uh, the boy uh, in the Gospels, there was a boy who had died, and they were carrying his casket um, uh, together. It was sort of a, um, what would you call it? Like, it's a funeral. It's a procession, a procession. That's right. And so Jesus walks up. He sees a mother who's crying. He says, why are you crying? The boy's died. He touches the casket. The boy gets up. Resurrection life happens. The boy's raised from the dead. Then he goes on living. I, I, I saw that picture this morning as I was praying about this service because I want you to know that God says that for some of you guys in here, you are going to be resurrected. How's that? I genuinely feel that's a word from God, that for some of us in here today, we are going to be resurrected, we are going to be, uh, we're going to get up out of our death and, and be released into new life. How's that? Is that good? Awesome. Well, I'm going to go ahead and dive into this uh, word today, and I'm going to go ahead and also read the same passage of Scripture, even though I've sort of repeated what it says but if you have your bible turn it to matthew chapter 4 i'm going to read verse 18 through 20 and as you guys are opening uh your bible i want to say welcome to the fruits fam who is here from georgia welcome you guys these are extended family members of ours and anytime they're here it's a treat let's just give them a big hand i know you guys don't know them yet but I love you. Oh, you're the best. You're the best. You're the best. You guys will get to know them uh, in the coming months because I think I've, I've prayed enough to bring them to Nashville. <laughs> They're amazing. So how many of you guys have your Bible open to Matthew chapter 4? If you, if you do, say amen. If your Bible app is open to Matthew chapter 4, say amen. If you can see the screen, say Amen. If you can't, then we would love to see a supernatural miracle today. So come up afterwards. We will pray for you. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. And as I do, I'm going to endeavor to hit something that I have not touched on yet. All right? You guys ready? So while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, 
Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you. Let's all say that part together. And I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So today I want to speak to you guys from the subject of I will make you. All right. So we're going to dive into what did Jesus mean uh, when he said that he would make us. Sound good? Awesome. Well, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for Jesus, your son. We want to thank you so much for the blood of Jesus Christ. We want to thank you that it's not just a historical fact that Jesus was crucified or that he resurrected, but that it's a spiritual reality for us today that we have the opportunity to be born again by the power of your resurrection, Jesus Christ. And so we ask for resurrection power to be released and increase in this room right now. We ask for the spirit of revelation, for a spirit of wisdom. God, we ask that you would have mercy on us in the midst of us trying our best to follow after you, that you'd have grace for us today, and that you would transform our lives. Every single one of us, God, don't leave us the same. Make sure that we leave this place differently today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, here's what I find interesting about this verse of Scripture, and that is that Jesus personally guarantees, promises that he will make every single person that follows him a fisher of men. I mean, we cannot miss this reality that Jesus takes personal responsibility for our transformation so that we might become fishers of men. Now, the reason why this text grabbed me as it has this past week is because I began to become convicted about my lack of fishing for men. Is it okay if we're vulnerable to start this sermon, right? And and I'm wondering, and I'm like, you know, if I'm a pastor, if this is my occupation, if this is my career, if this is my calling, if this is what I do for more than a full time job, and I'm not feeling awesome about my ability to fish for men, I wonder what it's like for our community and how they feel about their desire to share the gospel in public, their desire to share love with their waitress, their desire to preach to their Uber driver. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, if this is something that Jesus personally promises, if he said, I'm going to take responsibility for your transformation so that you fish for men, why is it so challenging to become a fisherman of men? Why is evangelism so tough? Why does it push us so far out of our comfort zone that for the most part, most of us, if not all of us, are unwilling to do it most of the time? I mean, this is the question that I've been wrestling with all week because I've been like, God, if you said that you're going to take personal responsibility to transform me, to make me an evangelist, to cause me to share the gospel, why do I not want to share the gospel more? Why do we not share the gospel more as a church? Why do we not preach the gospel more with courage? Why are we not more fearless about what we claim to believe in? 
Why are we so private about our faith and what we believe in in regards to Jesus? Like, what's happening here? This is the question I've been wrestling with all week. I'm like, Jesus, but you said, Jesus says, I will. You know what that means? Is that Jesus does not intend to outsource uh, the work that only he can do. Jesus takes personal responsibility for your transformation. Jesus does not expect you to transform yourself. Jesus does not expect you to discipline yourself enough to become a great evangelist. Jesus does not expect you to follow enough rules so that you can become a great fisher of men. Jesus says to you today that he will personally do that work. If you don't have a desire to be a fisher of men, I want to put you at ease to start. That the grace of God is going to move in your life to transform you so that you would become a fisher of men. And if you're feeling right now like, man, that's kind of scary. You know, that's what following looks like. Following is not always, uh, you know, fun, right? But there's a lot of joy in it, right? And uh, Jesus guarantees this. He says, I will make you. And this word make here in the Greek actually means to manufacture or to construct. And I don't know if you guys have heard this passage before in the Old Testament, but in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, it says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. Jesus will transform you to make you beautiful inside and out. Every aspect of you, he will make you beautiful. This is a promise from God. This is not a speculation. This is not a possibility. This is not a maybe. It's a guarantee that God takes personal responsibility to transform you, to make you beautiful, and ultimately to fish for men. You're not a project to Jesus. You're a person to Jesus. And Jesus promises that he will perfect your person. This is what Jesus has promised us if we will follow him. And God's perfection of you and how he makes you is to eventually turn you into a fisher of men. Becoming a fisher of men is not something that God calls you to do. It's something that God causes you to do. It's not something that he calls you to do. It's something that he causes you to do. It's an inward transformation that produces outward activity. But it's not us performing for God. It's co-laboring with Jesus. It's not that we have to, you know, work up enough courage to evangelize. But it's that because of an inward transformation... That Jesus literally is living through, the, through us that would cause us to share the gospel with the lost. Not because we have to, but because we enjoy it. So, so this is truth in accordance to what I see Jesus speaking in the Bible. But if this truth does not align with our lifestyle, then it's not God that's missing it. Right? It, it, it means that we need to repent. It, it means that we need a renewing of our mind. It means that we need to throw ourselves on the altar 
and say, Jesus, help us, transform us, renew our mind. I'm not comfortable with my lifestyle not looking like the scripture. In your, in your story, in what you did. And, and I think so oftentimes what we do is we try to reduce the scriptures to our lives. When really we're supposed to raise our lives up to the level of scripture, of what Jesus did in the gospel. So, so my question to you today is, are, are you fishing for men? And if you're not, then it should be an indicator of how closely you're following. Because if, if, if Jesus says, if you follow me, I'm going I'm to invite you to follow me. If you follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And I think sometimes when we look at fishing for men or sharing the gospel or being an evangelist, we say things like, well, I'm just not called to that. Well, we're all called to it if we're following Jesus. Following Jesus is intrinsically connecting uh, with fishing with Jesus. So, so if we're not fishing for men, it doesn't ex- expose God in his inability to make us. It actually exposes us in our willingness to follow. And, and, and the, question, the question I want to ask you is that if you're not fishing for men, you know, how are you doing in your heart? Like, are you pretending to be pious? Like, I'm just the best, most advanced, most spiritual Christian. Because this is a key ingredient to following Jesus. If we're not fishing, we're not following as closely as we claim. We're not as in love as he wants to cause us to become. We're not as transformed as he wants us to be. And, and so oftentimes, even if we're in church 10 months or 10 years or 10 decades, we're like, I got this thing down pat, right? But God wants to continue to transform you until how he feels about the lost is how you feel about the lost. Until how he feels about Nashville is how you feel about Nashville. Until how he feels about the nations is how you feel about the nations. So are we fishing, you know, as Jesus made us? To, to fish because essentially this is Jesus' mission. Jesus was a fisherman. He fished for people. Luke 19 and 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to fish for men. And I know that it's popular to say, What does it mean to be a Christian? Oh, it means to become like Christ, right? Well, if it means to become like Christ, that's what Christianity is, but we never fish for men. How have we dumbed it down? The gospel. If that's God's goal for our growth, then we are guaranteed to become fishers of men. There's no way to follow Jesus biblically and not fish for men globally. There is no way that God transforms us to become like Jesus and does not cause us to fish for men, especially because that was Jesus' primary mission. It would be biblically incomprehensible to believe that God would save us to make us and then never cause us to fish for men because every contributor of the New Testament fished for men. How many of you guys know that Jesus has never stopped fishing for men? 
we're all here today. We've all been redeemed from our sin and our shame because Jesus caught us. We didn't hop in the boat. Like, he, he pulled us out of the water. He pulled us out of our sin. He pulled us out of our guilt. He pulled us out of our shame. Like, Jesus has never stopped fishing. And although he's not walking the shore of Galilee today in his flesh, he is walking the nations today through his body, which is the church, which is you and I. Jesus still wants to fish for men. He just wants to fish through you. For 2,000 plus years, Jesus has been fishing. Through us, Jesus is still fishing. And I think sometimes we tend to think out of all the people around the world that confess to follow Jesus, we must, we must be the only people that he has not called to fish. He fishes through the Chinese underground church. He fishes through the persecuted church. He fishes through the charismatic church. Or he fishes through the evangelical reform church. Or whatever definition that we apply to it. But he fishes through every branch, every hand, every foot. Jesus has never stopped fishing for lost people. And he wants to transform you so that you would be a part of what his body does, which is to fish for lost people. So if Jesus promises us that he will make us fishers of men, why is evangelism so hard to do? This is... This is a, a, you know, kind of a presentation I'm making to you guys today because I've been wrestling with it all week. And I've been trying to step out. I've been trying to share the gospel with people more. And I've just been trying to treat everybody like they're saved. Because I find that's easier to talk to them about God if I just pretend that they're saved. Like, I don't know where you come from, what religion you adhere to, but I'm just going to pretend like you're a born-again Christian and talk to you like you understand how weird I am. And just, and just go for it and, and just share something. But why is it that we struggle to be fishers of men? Is God to blame? Has Jesus left us out? Has he decided to make others but not to make us? If we're unwilling to share Jesus, we must consider how closely we follow Jesus. And if we're not as close as we've been claiming to be, I want to invite us as a community together that we would repent. It's, 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 very, it's very fundamental, but it's not elementary. It doesn't mean that you're a novice because you have to return to re- repentance. It means that you're following. And this is where we constantly must end up Asking God like David to search us for hidden sin. Search in us anything that he wants to transform. No matter how long we've been doing this, I can promise you there's still more things that God wants to do in your heart to cause you to love the lost in in the way that he loves the lost. Or to love your family the way that he loves your family. Or to love your kids the way that he loves your kids. Or whoever it is that you're thinking about in your mind right now that you really don't want to love. Jesus thinks something about them probably better and greater and more loving than we do. And so if we say that we seek Jesus, but we refuse to share Jesus, we are exposed. It's it's very simple. I'm just kind of quiet in here, and I know I'm not as, like, boisterous, but I think it's a serious message. Like, if we claim to seek Jesus, but we don't share Jesus... 
The question is, what version of Christianity have we subscribed to? Yeah, I'm going to dive into that right now for a little bit. Um, as best I can tell, I'm, I'm saying this with all humility, okay? And I'm including myself. I'm not preaching at you. I'm just like, I feel like, all right, God, what do you want to say, you know? What do you want to say to us? That in the process of seeking but not sharing, it's very possible that we have subscribed to a counterfeit religion. Because if we're not being made into fishermen, then what are we being made into? And if we're not being made into fishermen, then into whose image are we being fashioned? Because it's not Jesus's. We have to consider this. Because Jesus gave his life for this. Jesus resurrected for this. We say that we believe this. And so we owe it to our Savior to consider this. How are we being made? Are we being made to share Jesus? Or has our version of Christianity become personalized, privatized, politicized, incentivized, and secretized? Because it's, it's, it is biblically incomprehensible to be made aware of Christ's resurrection and then privatize yeah. our faith. Because no one who claimed to see the resurrection of Jesus could keep quiet. Nobody could take this experience and privatize it and secretize it. It had to be shared. It had to get out. It had... It, uh, but today, you know, and, 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 and I'm not meaning this bad towards evangelicals, but I'm just saying like Americanized, evangelicalized Christianity for us in the Western world has possibly, to submission, deformed the gospel. And we may, in certain areas of our heart, be subscribers to it. And we need to repent. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys, it is, it is spiritually incomprehensible to consistently struggle in season and out of season and know about resurrection life, but never experience it. Never share the gospel, but constantly be depressed, always be down, always be sick, always be screwed. Because Jesus resurrected and that has to have some real life, real time, significant impact on the way that we live our life, on the way that we do our relationships, on the way that we spend our money, in the way that we pursue our careers. Like, if Jesus did not resurrect, we're all foolish, is what Paul said. But because he resurrected, we have been able to lay hold of a greater, abundant life. And so if we're not living a life of abundance, what version of Christianity have we possibly subscribed to? And maybe we don't subscribe to it monthly. We just get it every other month. We get it in the mail every three months. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard, right? So it's the little lies that creep in. It's like, well, God's not really like that. Jesus isn't really like that. Jesus would never ask you to do anything hard. Jesus doesn't expect every Christian to fulfill the Great Commission. All of these things that we sort of buy into over time end up deforming and distorting the gospel. 
And if we make it simple again and we just let it speak for itself, I promise you, we won't just read it. It will read us. It will confront us. It will call out the places in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirits that need to be transformed by the grace of God so that we can actually do what Jesus is in us to do. A counterfeit religion makes Jesus into our image rather than making us into Jesus' image. I'm going to try this side. So a counterfeit religion, it turns Jesus into our image rather than us into Jesus' image. So we optimize Jesus. We tweak Jesus. We, we redact Black that out, black that out, black that out, black that out, black, that doesn't apply to me, black that out, black that. So what we're left with is this, this, this paper-thin uh, gospel. This is the only parts that Jesus meant for me to live. The rest of this is meant for the underground church in China. It's not about Jesus calling us to do this stuff. It's about the indwelling Christ causing us to do it. But what happens is we push it down and we shove it down for so long to replace it with something that is more comfortable that we end up buying into it as though it is truth. And even though it might feel like the fact, it is not the truth. And, you know, here's one of the things that I feel like that counterfeit religion does that supernatural regeneration won't, can't. He says that you will fish for men. And one of the things I've noticed about counterfeit religion is that it always makes us more selfish. But it never makes us selfless. He said you'll fish for men. You'll fish on behalf of men. You'll, you'll, you'll share. You'll give. You'll be generous. But counterfeit religion is, no, I'm going to fish for myself. And I'm going to get mad and angry if you give fish to other people. Because they need to earn it for themselves. And we, there, there's a way to tell if we've bought into counterfeit religion, which is, are, are we empty on the inside? Do we feel like we have to do all of these external things in order to be accepted by the Father? It's, it's the to-do list that God gives us that we better check off and we better do it quick or else... You know, we're not going to be accepted. We're not going to feel the pleasure of God. We're not going to experience the presence of God. We're not going to enjoy our faith. I better do that. And so we get guilty about not evangelizing. And so we use shame as a motivator for evangelism. And nobody's getting saved because you're heaping your shame on them. Like, I'm just out here because I better do it or else God's going to be upset with me. Who wants to be like us? Why would I want to subscribe to that religion when it seems as though you're out here to try to please your God that I already don't believe in? But if we're so possessed and so full of the Spirit of Christ that is so joyful and so vibrant, it's not going to be about convincing them. It's going to be about their spirit being supernaturally compelled to see the God that we're witnessing of. Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. You do not call uh, to the witness stand somebody who has not seen anything. They have to see it to become witnesses. And for far too long, it's like we've heard about the gospel. But Jesus wants you to see the gospel. You need to see it, which means you need to allow the indwelling Christ to take over your life, rip your goal list in half, rip your ambition list in half, rip your checklist in half, rip your to-do list in half, and every other thing that could be dictating 
speaking to you how you're going to spend your life that is not Jesus. Because you can't say Jesus is Lord, but then let things like money determine your life. Because our Jesus in Americanized, evangelicalized, westernized Christianity has become more materialistic than he is missional. Our, that's our, our Jesus is, I want to give you all this stuff, but you never have to be missional. I want to give you all these things. I want to give you all this nice stuff. I want to give you all this money. I want to give you all this. You see, you see what I'm saying? I want to give you all these things, but like you don't ever have to share the gospel. You don't ever have to tell people about love. You don't ever have to get uncomfortable about your faith. You don't ever have to do anything you don't enjoy. You know what I'm saying? Because, because our Jesus has become, you know, more about making us famous than making us fishers. Right? Yeah, I want to, it's just, what we hear from the Lord, oh, he wants to make us famous. He wants to make us famous. He wants to make us fishers. And if you, if you get famous in the process, it's only so that you can fish. That's its only reason. There's only purpose. I want to share something with you guys as I'm closing. So I've been on this a little bit, and I, I recognize, I feel it, I know it in the spirit, that I am, I am bothering some people with it. I, I'm being honest. I know it. Because I have been sort of dropping these little things about money recently. And I know that it makes us uncomfortable. And to be honest with you guys, it makes me uncomfortable. And it's not because I'm sharing it with you. It's because I don't know what God's going to ask us to do. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know what God, I'm saying my family, I don't know what God's going to ask us to do. I've been praying about it. I'm like, God, what am I going to do? Am I going to give my house away? Am I going to give my cars away? Am I going to sell everything I have? You know, am I going to, what am I going to do? You know, I'm a little like on the edge of my seat thinking, what is God going to ask me to do? You know, like, but I'm coming to a place in prayer where I'm like, God, it all belongs to you anyway. I, I want you to do what you want to do through my life. And, and, and for probably one of the first times in my life, especially after having become a husband and a dad, I'm in a place where I'm like, man, God, I don't want to hold anything back from you. Not a, not a single thing from you. Not a single thing. I don't, I don't, whatever you want, God, I want to give it to you. I want you to have it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care... I, I, you're worth it because true joy is connected to quick obedience. You know, you don't know joy until you've been obedient to Christ with, with quickness because you will, you will find adventure you never thought possible in your, in your hoarding. Like, I promise you, your joy won't come as you amass more things. That'll just slow you down. You will not be able to move at the speed that Jesus moves. It'll only be temporary. The only thing that can satisfy, the only thing that can quench your spiritual thirst, the only thing that's really going to remedy the hunger in your soul, the only thing that's going to be able to meet you in the night season when you're confused and when you're empty and when you're broken and when you're depressed is not going to be anything but Jesus. That is the only thing that can help you. That's the only thing that can help you. That's the only thing that can save you. Nothing else 
else can save you. There is no other Savior. There is no other way to experience heaven. There is no other way you're getting to paradise. It is Jesus. It's only Jesus. And I, I thought of this passage this week. This is what I'm closing with. Is that, you know, whenever Jesus resurrected the disciples, they couldn't wait to tell people about it. You know, they couldn't wait to tell. The women, they couldn't wait. They, they go and they see, and they can't wait. They go tell. And then they, they, he goes and talks to his disciples. He says, hey, get the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, you go tell people about it. And, and they couldn't wait. And it was interesting to me, some of the first people that experienced the resurrection were actually the soldiers. The soldiers that were guarding the grave. There was a resurrection that took place. And the Jews, this is what the story says, and the Jews came to the soldiers and they gave them money. And they said, don't tell anybody about the resurrection. Here's some hush money. How comfortable does the enemy need to make you to tell nobody about the resurrection? I don't think the enemy has any problem with us having money. So long as he can increase the level of our comfort enough, give us enough finances to never tell anybody about the resurrection. Here's some hush money. The enemy's been doing it ever since. Don't tell anybody about the resurrection. I'm going to make sure you got that promotion. Don't tell anybody about the resurrection. I'm going to make sure you can pad your pocket. Don't tell anybody about the resurrection. Make the mission of your life money. And I mean, is it okay that I'm being this honest with you guys? Because look, God doesn't have a problem in the world with you having money. He has a problem with money having you. It cannot be the goal of your life. If it's the goal of your life, then we're going to struggle to share the gospel. We're going to share, we're going to struggle to share the real treasure of heaven that has the real power to transform real people and to set things straight. Listen, Jesus knows that the assignment that he's put on your life is impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. Jesus knows it. It's impossible to fish for men. We don't grow up in a, in a culture that says, oh, it's very conducive or very fun to fish for men. It's not fun. It's not comfortable. It's uncomfortable. But Jesus says, I will make you. And that's what we come back to. It's like he knows that the assignment he's put on your life is impossible. Listen, you cannot accomplish supernatural assignment with superficial religion. It'll never get you there. It, uh, religion has no power to make you a fisher of men. The only thing that religion has the power to do is get you excited for the season. It's about the equivalent of doing CrossFit. You can get super excited about it for a while. You become an evangelist uh, about it for a little bit. But really, it's not down in your spirit. It's just something that you've received as a tool to tweak your life enough to give you temporary victory. But truth be told, unless you really have... Supernatural regeneration, unless you're born again from the inside out, you're not going to be able to stay burning for Jesus for long term. All you can do is get excited for the short term. And when your shame catches up to you for not coming to church enough, for not giving enough, for not sharing the gospel enough, for not doing this or not doing that, then you will eject. And you'll say, that wasn't real and God didn't actually call me. No, Jesus has invited you to follow him. And if you want to follow him, he's going to make you. And that is going to take you to a place of sharing that love and sharing that gospel and sharing your resource and giving your life. 
Jesus had not enough time to mince his words. If any man would follow me, let him take up his cross. Let him deny me. Let him follow me. That's like saying, let a man take up his electric chair, take up his noose, take up his capital punishment. Jesus knew what he was asking people to do. He didn't mince his words. He said, it ain't going to be you who lives anymore. It's going to be me living in you. It's going to be me living through you. And if that's the life that you want, you come before Jesus and you say, I'll follow you. Because here, the thing that he's asked you to do, you ain't going to be able to do with, with, with a superficial religion. It's only going to be by supernatural relationship. So, you know, there's probably other things I could say, but if you want to hear those, you're going to have to come to second service. So, um, you know, because, and I told a few people, I'm like, man, you ought to just start double dipping. I know everybody with kids, you can't really do that, but, you know, some of y'all, if you don't, just start double dipping, you know. Who knows? What, maybe we'll have an all-day service one day. If you don't mind just to stand up, please, I want to pray with you. And, and uh, you know, here's, here's what I want to do today as we're praying. And, and, and here's what I've been doing as your pastor. Listen, listen, here's, here's what I've been doing. I've been repenting, saying, God, help me. God, heal me. God, forgive me. I repent. Renew my mind. I, can't, I need a renewal of the mind. I don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world. I want to be transformed by the renewal of my mind. We need, a, we need a mind renewal, right? We need a transformation. We need a change. And if this is hitting you today, I just want to ask you to, in your own way, in your own heart, you know, repent along with me. Father, we repent. And we ask you to transform us, God. We, we, we climb up on the altar and we say, God, I don't have it figured out. I'd like to pretend like I do. I'd like to pretend that, you know, my spirituality is impressive and better than the next man's. But I'm not competing with the next man. I'm being transformed into the image of Jesus. I don't need to be looking at anybody but him. And we need you, God. If we're really going to live what you're asking us to live, then we need you. We're not going to be able to do it by ourselves. We can't do it in our own strength. We didn't sign up for that. We're not subscribed to that. We don't want that. We don't want that religion. We want to be transformed. We want to be renewed. And so, God, today we come before you and we repent. Search us, God. If there be any hidden sin in us, if there be anything in us that's not hidden, maybe it's out in the open, which is it's straight up sin, and you want to transform us. Listen, guys, you don't have to do the work of transforming yourself. Jesus will do that work for you. You do not have to renew your own mind. Jesus will renew your mind. You don't have to be made into anything according to your own work. It's not about how much you read, how much you fast, how much you pray. All of those things are all things that we do because we're in love with Jesus, but ultimately it is Jesus that transforms us. So we just say, God, let your transformation power come. Let your resurrection life come. 2018 is going to be a year of people getting born again again. And that's what's going to happen here in this church. That's what's going to happen in the body of Christ. We are going to get born again, again. It's going to become more simple. It's going to become more direct. It's going to become more radical. It's going to become more faith-filled. And it's going to become a lot less of superficial religion. In Jesus' name.
And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Awesome.